Mama taught us how to sing in harmony. Jam
was Foolish Blues from Canaan, and those are my good friends, Jace, Brandon, and Jeffrey. And can't really say where they're from because they're spread all over the damn place. But an integral part of the music scene that I came to find in Texarkana. And it would not be the same scene without these guys, most definitely. So, my guest today is the front man of the band you just heard. His name is Jace Bryant. Let's get into the episode right now. Jace, how are you doing, man? Sorry it's taking me a while to get to uh, connect with you tonight. <laughs> it's all good, brother. I'm doing well, man. Uh, I've, uh, I've had a long month, and I'm tired, but uh, I can't complain about that. It's just, uh, you know, it's just been busy, and uh, I, that's better than the alternative, so... Man, I wanted to have you on the show because um, you're one of the musicians that I look up to the most in my hometown. Oh, uh, man, appreciate it. Yeah, man, your band, for people that don't know, I mean, your band Kanan is like this fucking heavy blues power trio, but you're like a psych rock fucking prog band at the same time <laughs> yeah, yeah and, man it was uh that was uh that was, those are some good old days man i miss it a lot so um <clears throat> how are things with the with the other guys from canaan what, what what ended up happening with that band well you know uh we had just we had been working together for about two and a half years. Um, we started making a uh, plant. Like we finally started getting our material kind of tight and, and organized. And, uh, and of course it was, it took us so long to do it because uh, Jeff, uh, the drummer lived two hours away. Um, and, uh, and it was hard to have organized rehearsal and so on. Uh, but there was no other alternative, uh, you know, as far like, like that Jeff was our drummer and there was, it wasn't about trying to find somebody local. You know, it was, we, he was the guy, uh, he was the guy that kind of made the sound in a lot of ways. It's, uh, you know, you got to see Jeff play live and you know how much of an animal he is on the drums. And, uh, but we had been working for about two and a half years. Uh, we finally started getting ready to do a record. And about that time, Brandon, uh, our bass player, uh, who was really the glue that brought the whole thing together. Um, he, uh, went to, on a vacation to Nashville and, uh, while he never was up came there, back, <laughs> <laughs> well, he came back, but only for like two months. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he, he, he went to a job fair up there and put in an application. And as soon as I heard that he was doing that, I was like, Oh, well he's gone. Cause I, I knew like just knowing the guy that Brandon is, I knew he'd get, get a job. And, uh, and so we, um, at that point we were like, well, we got to get this record done before you leave. Um, because we can't do it without you. So we had to, we had to kind of rush through it. And, uh, and, uh, I'm really proud of the material that I wrote and that we put together that we composed together. Um, and, uh, and even proud of the recording that we got to do in a short amount of time. That was a great uh, recording. Uh, where did you do that we, again? We did it at uh, Wolfman Studios with Jason Tedford in uh, Little Rock, and uh, and it was basically one of those things that we only you know we only had three days, and uh, when you're doing an album, you really want to have at least several weeks, you know, to kind of you want to be able to go in and 
what we did was almost like a, a just a little demo because we went in and laid it down and did some overdubs and then spent a day mixing and uh it would have been nice to be able to take the mix that we had and sit with it for a couple of weeks and then go back and and then spruce it up and get it where it needed to be but um but overall we're proud of how that uh product came out um and then when uh uh do you we, think that like did- the days of uh living in the studio and making a, a killer record like the like the stones or like zeppelin that shit's kind of out the door man we don't really have that luxury yeah yeah it doesn't really i mean there are places that do it and then that's actually what we did but it was just only three days mm-hmm. um the, the the studio we were at um at the time jason had his his whole his basically his it was a home studio it was in his house but he had it was his basement he had his rigged his whole basement um and he'd done it all himself and he had a he had a room that was just cabinets and guitars uh and you could uh basically pick whatever cabinet you wanted to run through and then from that room there was a little intermediary room that had a couple of keyboards set up and that, but it was also kind of his vocal booth and of course all this stuff was soundproofed and and uh and airtight and then move on the other side of the vocal booth was his main studio room where he had his drums. And that's where we recorded live, which uh, consisted of him putting a bass cab in this corner that he had set up um, to, uh, to mic it the correct way. And then I plugged into a, to a, uh, I can't remember uh, exactly what head that I used of his. Uh, it was a Marshall, but uh I plugged into that head and then he had it wired to go into the cabinet room to, and he had my guitar mic in a different room. And, and, uh, but then he also had like a little snack room with a mini fridge and some, uh, you know, coffee and everything like that. Uh, and then he had a, uh, he had a bunk room, with a couple of bunk beds and a, and a big ass TV with his, you know, we could log into his HBO or his Netflix or whatever. So we actually did get to live in the studio for a few days. And I know that there are other places that still do that. Uh, but it's not uh it's probably not the same you know it costs a lot of money to do it that way and uh and back in the day that was more of a you know like hey we're gonna spend six weeks doing this you know there was a lot more money in rock and roll back then (laughs) yeah yeah for sure for sure but uh we we got to do that like i said i think we just i would have liked for us to have a lot more time to do that um and uh and so uh the, the but what we got is what we got you know and uh and I'm, I'm proud of it yeah i've been making some i've been doing some recording as well and i'd really like to be there in the mix process you know uh once, yeah yeah once all the tracking is done because it's usually like once i get done tracking um i'll hear from my guy once he's got it mixed up and stuff and then We'll go back and forth over messaging and shit. Like, make this a little right. lower. Do this. Yeah, this, and, this. and uh, yeah, it's so time. I think consuming. you can. I think you can. Uh, I think you can achieve. It's it's like a new skill set that you have to learn in this like uh, this internet age. You know this this world of where everything has to be done a little bit more remotely, especially considering the past year and the pandemic and everything. Everything's being done remotely. Um, it's it's a it's a new skill set that you have to learn how to be able to produce something that way uh but it's definitely really challenging um and and yeah i I agree with you i much prefer to like be there listening to it as 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 tweaks are being made uh 
you know, so that you can kind of voice your opinion right then and there. And you don't have to wait for like, here's a mix. And then you send back, well, I'd like this and this and this to be changed. And then they change it. And then you're like, oh, well, you changed it too much. Uh, maybe split the difference, you know. <laughs> and then that thing, takes you know, a few just, fucking days. You might as well be yeah, communicating yeah, by pigeon. You know? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. It, it just it's real. It's very time consuming, and it's also it's also much more difficult to to communicate via text or email or whatever it might be. What exactly you're wanting from the product mm-hmm. versus being right there and being able to talk it out face to face. You know, you can kind of get there a little easier and. Uh, and so it's def- that definitely makes it more difficult. So I, I definitely uh, 100% agree, man. Uh, yeah, this current like release that, that mixing I got, process. Yeah. This current release I got coming out. I, yeah, I was having these issues because I recorded it in Yuma and then moved to uh, Phoenix, which is a couple hours apart. Right. So I was doing this exact the exact thing we're talking about back and forth over text and email and i'm like dude can i just come down there and sit with you and he's they he was super worried about covid he actually caught covid uh yeah and he was real paranoid about it and so like i ended up getting a covid test uh, for some other reason, and it came up negative, and I, I showed him the test. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, yo, dude, I'm clean. I'm like, can I come over? I'll wear a mask and everything. And so then he was like, yeah, come over. So I was finally go. able to sit down. Anyway, so uh, did you ever? Did you, you guys ever get any label interest in your band and Canaan? Man, well, so I, you know, I didn't really know much about what I was doing when uh, we got that record done, as far as uh, how to shop to labels and everything. And I learned. Uh, sorry, that was my text going on. I'm gonna put my phone on the silent so that doesn't happen again. Hold on. No worries, my shit's going off as well. Uh, so uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, as far as how to shop to labels, that was really my first experience uh, trying that out. And when we put it out there, and again, I think that, uh, um, well, I'll just put it this way. I put it out to several, uh, sent it out to, you know, a couple dozen labels. And uh, and we'd already put it up on Bandcamp and everything like that. And I learned later that uh, even the small labels, they don't like you to put your stuff out there before you shop it. Uh, and we'd already kind of had it out. But... Um, most of the response I got was just real kind of a uh, passive, uh, Hey man, I dig it, but we're, our rosters are full They're for the year. You know, we can't take on any more new bands, but I do remember the, uh, the one response I got, uh, that like kind of st- stuck with me. And that's why, that's why I say that I wish we had more time with the record, uh, to get it done a little bit cleaner and a little bit more, um, uh, you know, on that, uh, what what's the what do they call it red uh red something uh that that level they want it to be mastered on hmm. anyhow um small stone records is one that got back to me and they they said man we really dig the tunes but uh the whole record you know before it can be released needs to be remixed and remastered um and that was like the most honest response i got from it uh and so i th- like i said i think if we'd had a little more time uh, and, uh, to, to get it done full blown. Cause even Jason Tedford, the guy that recorded our album, 
even he said, you know, when we done it, he was like, oh, you got you got yourselves a nice little demo here, you know, that you knocked out in three days. I was like, man, we're trying to release this. And he's like, oh, uh, oh, you want to put it on vinyl? And you want to, oh, okay, well, we'll see. <laughs> and so, oh, uh, wow. yeah, it just, it wasn't, uh, I don't think it was, uh, like I said, I don't think we had enough time and resource to uh, to get it done to actually have a good label release and put us out there uh to get distributed that way um but uh, again you know after after brandon moved to nashville uh, which was shortly after we uh finished the record uh we get you know we had another uh bass player come in chris denman uh and chris is fantastic uh fantastic musician and also just like one of the best dudes i know but uh also not from texarkana so now i'm dealing with two bandmates that don't live in town with me and, and just the logistics of us uh, getting together to rehearse and uh, to put shows on and to try to put something together. It just became uh, almost impossible with all of our schedules. And uh, so Chris played with us for, uh, I don't know, five or six months probably um, before Kanan kind of fizzled out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was the, that was kind of the, you know, the gist of how that came to an end uh, which is uh, one of the saddest times in my life. <laughs> if, I'm not, if I'm not lying, I, I like I said, I miss uh, miss that band and I miss that material uh, terribly. Man, I fucking love to see you guys play live. I remember seeing you fucking playing a Moog at one point. Uh, yeah, yeah, we brought Jeff's little mini mini Moog and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, to and we we tried to incorporate it and uh, and it just became a little. Uh, to be honest, I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> Sounded good to me. I might have been a little I was fucked just, up. I, was, uh, I, I knew what key I was in, and then I was just twisting knobs and trying to make some weird sounds uh, and have some fun with it. No, man, yeah. it was great. I mean, God, I miss those shows. Uh, yeah. yeah, man, same here. Uh, we, uh, we do have, uh, I don't know exactly when it's going to happen. We're shooting for probably late summer. Uh, we, uh, but we've been asked to do a, uh, reunion show and, uh, and we were, we've been asked that actually back, back in the fall this past year and looked at a couple of different dates and actually booked one. And then, I, uh, that was actually for earlier this month. It was just supposed to be a couple of weeks ago, uh, for a reunion show. But with all the COVID shit going on, um, we still have the venues around here are, are open, but they're just they're shutting down dance floors and pits and everything. And so it was going to think if we were going to play a show, it would be to people seated at spaced out tables and stuff. And I, and I told the guys, I was like, man, if we're going to, if we're going to go through all the work of doing a reunion show and, and I like, I want to blow it up. I want to sell 200 tickets to it, you know, in a sm small little dive bar. And I want everybody to be up in my face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to do it right. And, uh, and so we're just kind of buying mouth. our time. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. <laughs> We're just kind of biding our time uh, with putting that together, um, but we uh, we do you know we do plan on doing stuff like that uh, here and there throughout the future, and uh, you know it'll just be one off one off stuff. Um, on on a further note, I do have I have been throwing around a lot of ideas for a second Canaan record, uh, but I don't really have a band to do it with right now. That was my um, follow up question. More, it was going to be. Uh, <laughs> uh, going to be kind of a I don't know you know I've got I've got four or five songs that I've been kind of noodling with uh that 
fit more of that Canaan style. Uh, and, uh, and if I can find the right guys to put, put it together and move it forward, then I will. But that's, uh, that's also just a matter of time and circumstance, you know, the only, the only person I could think of that could match close to Jeff style would be, uh, the drummer from, um, factory. Because they fucking yeah, Michael yeah, yeah no Michael yeah, no, they're, is a yeah. killer drummer and that 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 band is on a whole other level than Canaan man that's like yeah. when you talk about Michael drumming he's doing he's playing that traditional grip uh uh style with uh the you know the Mitch Mitchell Mitch Mitchell yeah I seen a picture of them two side by side yeah. <laughs> you couldn't yeah. tell the difference yeah absolutely man um and he's got that whole vibe and then and then you got uh Jeremy who's kind of the uh, the heart and soul of that band it seems like he's uh, kind of the uh, again the bass player seems to be always be the glue and and he's the vocalist as well absolutely and, uh, and then you got uh then you got seth who's just um just a prodigy on the guitar man just just rips like uh you know i don't know he plays like uh isaiah mitchell from earthless you know, he does. He pulls off some shit like that that I'm just. I met him way, way above my level. You know, I was washing and, dishes uh, at Red Lobster when I met him. He he was working there also. Yeah. I would have never thought that he fucking could shred so well. Oh man, he's just one of those guys that like, uh, uh, you know. And I, I should probably try to be more like this, uh, but my free time I do other things and just play guitar. But he's one of those guys that's like if he's. If he's not working, he's not doing uh doing anything else. Like he's got a guitar in his hands, and he's always he's always playing, he's always practicing. And uh, so I noticed and, that um, like Jeffrey kind of fell off of the rate off of my radar for a while yeah. as far as social media stuff, and now he's just recently popped back up. Uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, within the past year, I've seen him start to you know do his uh, you know. Of course, he's got his. Uh, massive record collection and he used to always post you know listening to this listening to, and now he's doing that again and uh and he and, releases his own solo material huh yeah and he's put some he's put some solo material out what does he call that i forget man you put me on the spot oh, right okay now. okay i'm sorry <laughs> I can't, I'll probably... well, so his his old solo material was called uh schematics for a blank stare that's it uh-huh and I, but I don't know if he's his newest stuff is released under the same name or not. Uh, and gosh, uh, how many instruments he, does this guy play? <laughs> well, see, he's a you know I don't know if you know this about Jeff, but back in like the nineties, uh-huh. uh, he was a he was a DJ. Yeah, he like did EDM stuff. I've seen some old and, footage of this. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah. I, I didn't see EDM. What I saw was like old school. Yeah, or yeah, fucking. Yeah. Yeah. What do you call it? I don't even, like, like scratching. He was like, yeah, no, yeah. He was he was doing like house and hip hop, scratching the shit out of it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Of course, he's got guy. He's a he's a he's a rhythmist. You know, he like uh-huh. he, he's a guy that just jams. And so, uh, but you know, yeah, he he's a he's a very talented uh, keys player, and obviously very talented drummer. And then since I've known him, he's also taught himself uh, the bass guitar and the flute. He played some. There's a, there's a couple of flute flourishes on the Canaan record that uh, yeah. that he threw in. I had a, you uh, know that flute stuff didn't stand out to me until a couple of listens, and I remember one day driving. Yeah, yeah, they were just little touches, you know, here and there. You, you hear it, and it's like, oh yeah, there goes Jeff. Yeah, yeah, he's going for, <laughs> going for that <laughs> that Jeffro toll, man. Uh-huh. 
yeah. But uh, the yeah, uh, uh, no, he's he's a he's man. Jeff is a special special guy. He's a diamond in the rough, really. Like he's out of bumfuck Arkansas, and uh, and has put out some records that uh, I don't know if you know this man. One of his schematics records, uh, uh, he found it going on uh, uh, for sale online. Somebody was selling their copy of it uh, through a and just one of those one of those vintage record portals that people buy and sell through uh for like 90 90 or 100 bucks for one of his records you know because they're so rare you know he's only ever released like a few hundred copies of any of his stuff that's and, amazing uh, and and there are just people out there that dig into that uh that style of music that yes. are willing to willing to pay apparently willing to pay 90 100 bucks for it and it's it's pretty incredible he self-releases those yeah i know that he uh used um it's not uh i think they're called cosmic records but it's not strictly a label they basically they don't they don't they're basically uh distributors i think cosmic artifacts yeah 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 yeah. that's what i'm thinking of uh and they they just kind of distribute uh and they'll put your stuff out they'll they'll print it to vinyl and stuff and i think that they just take a small cut and uh oh I know that yeah he, he, i've heard of but, this but uh, but uh, otherwise i don't think that he no he's never had any label representation on it uh his stuff it's always been self-released nice well that's but, amazing uh, man yeah no he's a he's a very very special guy and, I, and anybody that's listening out there I definitely would recommend uh listening to just stuff schematics for blank stare uh and and following along with him because he's a uh He's the real deal, basically. Like he doesn't give a shit about anything else, you know. Like all he cares about is making music and making it his own way. And he does it all on four-track tape machines, and uh, he, he, everything is analog. And uh, you know, you don't find many guys that are, you, you know, you get a lot of bedroom composers uh, that are using Pro Tools or, or GarageBand or, or you know whatever they might have on their computer. You don't find a lot of guys that are doing analog stuff just all on their own and uh and making it sound as good as he does yeah and i see how that could be a hard it's hard to uh continue on with a band if you're not gonna be going with him you know yeah yeah well and it was like i said the uh when when kanan started it was just me and jeff and we went through about four bass players uh and and jeff being a self-taught musician can kind of be difficult to play with uh because uh it's hard to, you know, I came up in a, in a world of uh, classical music and understanding theory and everything. And so I was always, you know, eight bars of four, four signature. And then we switched to six, eight, right. You know, and I can communicate in that musical language. And I talked to him and, and it looked like it, you know, he just, just all by feel uh, and he didn't understand. So it made it difficult to communicate and finding a bass player, uh, took a while uh, somebody that had the the, the patience to kind of learn his groove um, and that's where where Brandon came in and Brandon was a he was also he had never played bass in a band he had he actually just acquired his first bass uh, and it was uh, so it was like fresh meat to up. you you got to teach yeah, him yeah man huh? oh yeah well man I didn't really have to teach him I mean yeah. he already played guitar you know he yeah. knew the notes mm-hmm. uh, it, but uh, I, I remember specifically that uh, Mothership was coming to town and uh we had opened up for them uh one of our one of Kanan's very first show actually it was our very first show opening up for mothership at the uh at the cottage uh which is no longer a venue here <laughs> and um we had a we had a different bass player at the time and we hadn't had very much time as a group we only played three songs opening up and 
And then we played a couple other shows, but Mothership came back, you know, six or eight months later and we hadn't really been a thing because we hadn't found a bass player. And when they, when Josh booked them, they said, can we get Kanan to open up again? They were a good time. And, uh, and so I was like, well, hell, I got to find a bass player. And, so, and then Brandon, like I was around Brandon at the time I got that call and he was like, I just picked up a bass from my cousin and I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, uh, he sat in and that's when, that's when I was like, okay, here's some, here's some fucking magic. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it just spiraled out from there, you know? That's awesome. That brings us to a good another point I wanted to touch on, man, with Mothership yeah. playing with all these massive bands coming through mm-hmm. and you guys having the opportunity to uh play to share the stage with a lot of these uh, up and coming yeah, yeah. bands. Yeah. We got to play with some really badass bands. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about that for a second. So, who was bringing all these shows to town? So that was when uh, that was in the heyday of uh, Josh Foster booking shows in town. Uh, Josh, as you know, is one of my oldest friends, and uh, and Shout out uh, to Josh. I, I learned I learned a, a, a shitload of music from Josh. Even that back when I was uh, twelve and thirteen years old, when I first started hanging around him, uh, I I, I kind of you know I grew up in a musical family, but uh, I I didn't I wasn't born into rock and roll. Uh, I had to learn it at a later age and uh i was you know i grew up with classical music and gospel music and um and then the uh the more some of the old 80s pop you know my my folks listened to phil collins and and uh billy joel and stuff like that and so that's kind of where i was coming from and then meeting josh i'd go over to his house and you know stay over on the weekends or whatever uh, he would have uh, the, you know, you know those old, uh, those old uh, CD out like those CD books that you'd flip through and you had four to a page or whatever. Oh yeah, and absolutely. And he, he just had, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know how many of those he had that were just completely full of uh, of everything from, uh, and it's mostly heavy stuff. It was mostly uh, Atreyu and Opeth, and then you know your classics like Metallica and, and Sabbath and. And, uh, and he, he exposed me to a lot of that kind of music. And, um, when I moved back to Texarkana, which has been uh, a little over 10 years ago now, uh, 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 he and I, uh, and Tiffany all got a place together. Um, and that was about when he started trying to, to, he started the Phantom Killer promotions and started trying to book bands and, uh, and pretty much he was the the he he was the voice of it you know he he did all the booking and maintained the relationships and and my role in it was to help the show go smooth and so I'd run sound and I'd uh um you know make sure the bands had what they need with our meager setup that we had uh which was basically miking a kick drum and miking a vocal and, and uh and hoping that we could make make it sound decent enough in these small clubs and um and then, uh, and then, you know, our big thing, I think the, a, a big reason we were able to have so many bands back all the time was our, our hospitality. We'd, uh, we'd have them over at our house and a lot of these bands that we had, you know, were small time and on the road and not making much money. And we'd give them all the money we raised in the door and then say, come to our house and do a load of laundry and take a shower and stuff. And, the, and, you know, these, these were bands that weren't used to that. Uh, they were used to, uh, 
sleeping in the van, you know, and uh, wearing the same shirt for six days in a row. Um, and so uh, the hospitality thing was what kind of put us on the map as far as making Texarkana a spot for bands that, you know, for bands to come through and bands wanting to come through. And uh, we had an enthusiastic audience and uh, and there were some really great years of, of live music uh, because of uh, what Josh started. And so... How have you seen the? How have you watched the scene grow since the beginning of that? Because when I met you, excuse me, when I met you, um, I was leaving Texarkana. Yeah, <laughs> we were yeah. playing our show. It was well, basically we had, a couple, we had a couple of good years before you had to move away. But no, I, I mean the very <laughs> well, the very first time I ever met you, Jace. You ran. Oh, okay. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not you, thinking about. Yeah, I'm thinking about when you went to Corpus. That's no, right. yeah, you know, you ran sound for me one time. Uh, with a uh, three finger lid. No, we we were called Flatline. This is basically stronger oh, okay. than all. Okay. And this yeah, was yeah, at the yeah, yeah. Blue Iguana. Okay. Yeah, and I remember that show, man. You didn't even <laughs> your your hair wasn't even wasn't even past your ears, man. <laughs> and oh, dude, you're making me feel old as shit right now. It was one of those setups, like you said, we had like a mic on yeah. the kick drum and a vocal mic. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm pretty sure the mic on the kick drum was probably also a vocal mic because we didn't have a real kick mic. <laughs> yeah, and the kick drum probably didn't even have a fucking hole in it anyway. <laughs> and then like that was my last like the next day I fucking like left town for work, went to like Midland or something. Anyway, I, uh I fucking move around a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then you guys call me up and like Hey man, we got a we got a gig for your band. This is when I was living in Corpus and I had Stoned or whatever. We had the band yeah, Stoned. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you guys, yeah, I remember y'all coming up and doing that one. Yeah, you got us playing with fucking Wofat, you know. And it's yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So this is how much oh, the man. scene had grown, is what I'm getting at. And then by the time I finally moved back, uh, it must have been a good five years that I was gone, and then. I moved back and it's like every other weekend you got Moss Generator over here. You got Paul Bearer, yeah. fucking Destroyer of Light, uh, yeah, Mothership, man. you know, American Sharks came through there. Uh, yeah. And yeah. It, it's just insane. I mean, yeah, uh, man. It was, uh, it was, like I said, I remember that we got a lot of, uh, especially through from Texas bands, but not, uh, well, some other regional band, you know, Paul Bearer being from Little Rock and, we got a good, a lot of good PR. Uh, I remember specifically Destroyer of Light, like finished a tour, and they they uh, they finished a tour that they had done one of their early gigs with us here in town, and one of their last gigs was coming back home. They were in Houston, I believe, and did an interview with uh, some publication down there, and uh, one of the questions that w they were asked was, uh, "Do you have any any towns?" that you recommend for bands to stop through. And, uh, the, the guys from destroy of light said, Texarkana, you know, this small podunk town right on the border, but the guys that are, that are booking there and handling this scene right now are like, they take care of you. And, uh, and, and like I said, it was just a, man, it was just a genuine sense of, uh, we just, you, you know, the whole thing started for Josh, the whole, the whole, uh, logic behind it was, we could drive two and a half hours to Dallas or two hours to Little Rock or whatever 
to see shows, but a lot of these bands are looking for shows in between and looking to fill up nights. Like, why not just bring them here and then they can crash on our couch, you know? And mm-hmm. then we, then we get to, to essentially not have to travel and see the show for free. And then also like get to hang out and party with uh, these guys that we all look up to and, and appreciate their craft and appreciate their art and uh and so it was that's how the whole that that was the whole concept of it um as far as why we did it uh in the beginning and then it then it kind of started snowballing to a place where we couldn't really handle the volume of it anymore you know it was it literally figuratively and literally well yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) like i mean the thing is is texarkana is you know still a small town and uh and the crowd that comes out for heavy shows is, uh, is not affluent. You know, they're like, they can't afford to, to go to a show every weekend. And some, I mean, sometimes we had three shows in a week, you know, very and supportive so, though. There was, there was a no, nice yeah, economy they were about it. But, and, and the thing is, is like, then we, we'd start being like, man, if you can't pay to, to get in here, then, then just come and we'll let you in for free. But then when you get to that point, that's a dangerous line to walk, you know, because, then suddenly it's like, all right, well, we guaranteed this band $300 or $400 or whatever it might've been. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but if we, if our crowd can't afford to pay it, then we have to come out of pocket. And, uh, and then suddenly you're at a point of, you know, like this isn't sustainable, you know? And then speaking uh, of and- volume and sonic sense, I fucking was running sound because I, I I became the sound man for you guys for a short stint. Yeah, 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 uh, you did. When I came back from Corpus, I had a nice little PA, man, and I was more than happy yeah. to lend my services to you guys. I yeah, remember yeah, Josh... Yeah, and and that things, was, things uh, went up a level when you did that because what we were working with was... Uh, Rinky Dink, <laughs> yeah, and I learned a lot doing those shows. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was running sound for uh, Destroyer of Light, and the fucking guys at Headliners told me they gotta turn that shit down or they gotta fucking go <laughs> right in yeah. the middle of their song. And then I'm going up there and I'm like, hey. The, the club owner wants you guys to turn it down. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I gotta be so. Now, when yeah, he said man, you I couldn't mean, handle the volume, I'm like, yeah, yeah no, we couldn't fucking handle. No, nah, well, when I said volume, I meant the like nah, the, the yeah, I knew, I knew what you oh, meant, okay. man. Okay. I was making a joke. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, no, I, I learned a lot. You know, funnily enough, I remember we had a we had Jucifer one time mm-hmm. and uh over at the silver dollar which is where we uh we you know we had kind of our longest tenure as far as having a club that we got to book at regular and uh we had juicifer over there and their you know their whole their setup took up the whole wall of the course, entire wall you know? like they could barely fit it in there and they were so loud it was uh you know but somehow uh destroyer of light was even louder <laughs> Yeah. They're are was, a fucking loud incredible. band. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they kind of they. I would I would say that probably the loudest show I've been to was Destroyer of Light uh, at the Silver Dollar. You know, I grew up. Uh, so this was man. I always hung out with the older crowd when I was yeah. a kid. Growing up in Texarkana, there wasn't a lot for young kids to do. There wasn't much of a music scene. There was a heavy metal like hardcore sort of scene when i was growing up we used to play at dave's skate park yeah and i was in like a heavy metal thrash band 
they they X'd us out. They said we were a 21 and up band, but none of us were even 21. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, the, that's the that's the uh, kind of the bane of Texarkana, really, is that the uh, the scene comes and goes in, in these waves. And I, you know, I remember that like we had our day with it, and uh, it hadn't really bounced back in the same way that it was. No, but uh, the point I was getting at was like it's like I didn't really hear of people knowing about these bands that everybody. So basically, the titans of uh, of the music that we've come to 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 know and love is like right, these right. bands like sleep and caius and like stoner rock and shit like yeah that. you know yeah. i didn't ever, i never really knew of a lot of uh people that like this kind of music you know there was a few uh yeah. you know well and that was uh that was kind of josh's magic when he was when he was doing this in his day and it's like the good tying all those things together for everybody you know you ever see like when the good acid hits a town and everybody turns into hippies or something <laughs> that's, that's like what it was yeah, like yeah, yeah. man it was like the good yeah. music hit the town and, and people showed up i think yeah, there man. was a thing that happened too man like a cross reference thing because this Wakarusa fest started going down up there, man. And then that's where everybody was yeah. going to these EDM, getting all heady and shit. So this right. big, like, EDM sort of, like, head culture has emerged in Texarkana as well. Yeah. But those two scenes sort of integrate, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, like, I'm not, a, I'm not big into a lot of EDM stuff. I've listened to some of it. Mm. But I mean, if you, I mean, well, if what you I'm saying a base, is, a lot of those guys in, in those scenes, they they hang out at the Stoner and Doom shows. Right, right. right. Well, that, like, a, like a, yeah. what I was getting at is mm-hmm. like there there's a, a definite like if you go to a Bass Nectar show, I mean, you got you got headbangers there, man. Like, and it's heavy. That's heavy music. It's it, and it's all bass and low end, just like just like you go to if you go to see Wofat, you know, like that is all bass and low end. Uh, and uh, and and people that go to a bass nectar show are are literally banging their heads, you know, like they'd be at a heavy metal concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and so there, yeah, there's definitely some crossover uh, between those scenes. Uh, but th- there's also, you know, they're also very different. Uh, but, that I think uh, that yeah, was and, what and our scene was. It was just a mixture of like fucking people that love stoner and doom and then yeah. people that well, grew like, out, like of our, this, out of our, the... our our pal uh uh joe kennedy is like a perfect example of that like he's kind of a i would put him at the crux of that even yeah uh because he uh he Shout loves heavy stoner rock he loves heavy edm stuff but he writes like um heavy folk music you know yeah, he's got a fucking uh, modest mouse vibe. I don't know. We yeah. we made an album together in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the he Pepper ever Zombie. did. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember your studio, your little studio that you built here in town. No, dude, we went to Frank's house and did some. Oh, shit. Oh, did you go do it? Okay. Well, yeah, I remember y'all did some stuff at your studio that you built. He's um, holding it hostage or something. I guess he's waiting for me <laughs> to die. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize that the final cuts were done with Frank, but. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I remember uh, seeing y'all. You did some videos and stuff. We actually opened up for Destroyer of Light that show, yep. and I was forced yep. to ask them to turn down. <laughs> <laughs> Funny stuff. Shout out to Joe, man. Fucking release yeah, release the absolutely. album. <laughs> Set right, it free. No shit. Yeah, man. Let it go. Love you, Joe. So. We spoke a little bit about the scene. I'm hoping to have Josh on, man. We've been planning on it, so. 
Um, when you so it started out as Phantom Killer Promotions. Yeah, that was uh, that was what. So there was actually another guy involved for a short time. Um, I don't know if you know him. You might uh, Bob Levey. Uh, I know Bob. Bob fucking yeah. played bass yeah. for Stronger Than All. Okay, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't remember if he was in one of your groups or not, man. Yep. Uh, but, yes, sir. But uh, when it when it when Josh first started doing it, Bob was involved, and they were kind of that was uh, they that was the Blues Iguana. We did a few shows there, and then we did a few shows over at the skate park. Um, and Bob was Bob was involved with that early on, and he kind of had to fall off uh, because of you know his family and everything. Hmm. He just couldn't stay uh, as active. Um, but that's where the Phantom Killer promotions kind of came uh, came from. Was that was Josh and Bob? This is such and, a crazy. Like I said, I was I was like the like the 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 quiet third part. I wouldn't say partner, but I was just the guy that ran the sound of the shows. You know, anybody that doesn't know anything about the Phantom Killer, uh, if you want to know something interesting about our hometown, just look that up. I mean, th- this guy was fucking murdering people with, with trumpets and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, yeah. that's what it showed yeah, in the movie. It was a trombone. Uh, yeah. He put a knife on the end of a trombone and uh-huh. played it while he stabbed somebody. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. it was a serial that killer. Was the, the the 50s or something. And they never they actually never found out who... Well, apparently there are, there are people that know who he was, but uh, he never he never got caught or, or convicted or anything. It's probably like it's one of our fucking... Back in the day. One of our uncle's uncles or some shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all related to him somewhere down the line. The 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 movie uh, the town that dreaded sundown. There was the old movie, and then they did a, a remake. Uh, but that's the that's about the Phantom Killer. What else is there? Uh, the Falk Monster. What do you know about that? <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, I'm there's just this kidding. guy named there's I, this guy named John Yeti, and I think he might be the Falk Monster. He probably he probably is the Falk Monster. Hold on one second, Jason. I mean, his last name is Yeti. Come on. <laughs> but just, yeah, that's some uh, good old Texarkana history for you there. Funny little anecdotes about our little town, man. Yeah. Uh, no, so. I'm hoping to have Josh on here, man, to get the full story. Oh man, I'm sure he'd be glad to be on. I hope uh, I hope y'all can work that out. Like he, uh, yeah, he he's 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 got a lot more insight than I have to offer as far as how you know. Uh, I, I feel like I can give you the bones here, and and he can give you the the meat. Well, I know, like um, when I opened up for Kent, for Wofat. And uh, can't stump. Put, well, that's because like mothership. I mean, uh, the mother load. Shout out to yeah. Gator and them. <clears throat> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Texarkana has had a history of fucking cool music. I know, like Agents yeah, of yeah. Oblivion has played there in the past. Pantera yeah, yeah, used to come through. Yeah, we had and we had uh, we had Dax Riggs solo mm-hmm. several times. I got to open you know for him mean? because of you guys, man. Yeah, for yeah I got in. to I got to open for Dax a couple times. That was really cool. And then so for can't stump. Well, I went and sang you know some down songs with Motherload, and can't uh, pull me aside and he goes, "Hey, man, you're pretty fucking badass." So I'm like, you know. That shit is high praise, man. That's that, high praise. That affected me, you know what I mean? Yeah, dude. You and then should. to open up for Dorothea Cottrell 
And, yeah, yeah. And her to be so stoked about my music and shit. And yeah, she said, yeah. you got anything to, to sell? And I thought she was talking about <laughs> some pot or something. <laughs> I said, no, I'm fresh <laughs> out right now. <laughs> uh, but no, man, like for somebody like me and for somebody like you, that's huge, man. Just to be yeah, able yeah, to rub man. shoulders well, with these people. I remember, I remember like having so, like in the Canaan day, Cal Jewett uh, from Mothership uh, said something to me one time that, uh, and it's, it's, it really stuck with me and, and it really made me work harder with Canaan at the time. Um, like he, that he considered us like one of the, top five or top 10 bands that were coming up in Texas at the time. Uh, nice. uh, you know, and coming from a guy that's in playing in mothership and they're touring with COC and, and going to Europe and everything. And mm-hmm. like, you know, that's, that's high praise. And, and, uh, and I was, uh, you know, there, there was, I was glad to be a, a part of something cool like that. And I, you know, you're like, wanted I'm, to I'm just happy to further. be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. But, uh, but it, yeah, it definitely was, it was just kind of a, you know, it's one of those just phases, you know, those times in life. And that's what, that's what this town goes through with its music scene. Like right now it's pretty quiet. Uh, uh, we still have the arrow bar and the, uh, that, uh, books, uh, heavy bands here and there. It'd be um, a shame if we didn't mention Darcy and the Silver Dollar, whereas a lot of this went Char- down. Charcy. 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 the fuck is wrong with yeah. me? I'm sorry, dude. No. No, you're good. Uh, no, man. Charcy was like, uh, <laughs> oh man, that lady. She was just like this, uh, this, uh, this grandmother or, or great aunt figure that uh, that that was running the silver dollar, and uh, her it, she she never really wanted to be doing what she was doing. Actually, um, her uh, her husband Bo had uh, come down with cancer. And he was the one that bought the bar and got it going. And when he'd come down with it, it kind of fell to her to uh, to run the place. And she didn't know what to do with it. And that's where uh, where Josh came in. And uh, and Josh and I kind of helped her start running the place and booking shows. And uh, and she was just she was just this so sweet. And she'd drink her scotch and sh- scotch and soda all night. Uh, with and us let us do whatever the fuck we want. Just kind of let us run the place, <laughs> ah, dude. and uh, and then like then she'd just go pass out in the office and sleep till the morning, you know. Oh. Uh, and uh, and I, I I hate that I actually haven't seen her in several years and got to speak with her because she was uh she was she was really the uh you know the bulk of, the bulk of uh, that Texarkana scene for that time was done at the Silver Dollar. And that was an amazing time. And she was, she was the one that, um, allowed all that to happen. So then we got to give it up for Carol and Tony for taking us all in and adopting the scene with the arrow. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was kind of where like when the silver dollar days ended and I, um, that's when I started, uh, working at the arrow bar as a bartender and Josh kind of stopped booking, um, and uh, I had kind of grown real passionate about it, and so I I went to them and and told them, hey, let me book some bands, let me see if we can get some stuff because they were looking for stuff to to generate business, and I was like, we can make this a spot for it, and uh, and of course my approach was I, I, they 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 weren't 
really down with uh, heavy music, you know, uh, the hard rock and the heavy metal. And and so I kind of had to ease them into it. Uh, and I remember I remember like finally convincing them to let me book Silo because I was like, <laughs> you guys aren't you guys aren't going to like this. You guys aren't you're, you're not going to like this band because it's, you know, nothing that's their speed. But I was like, but you will like the number of people that show up for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was actually the same thing. Uh, the first time I booked mothership at the arrow, uh, I was like, look, it's going to be loud and, and, uh, and it's going to be a struggle, but you guys are going to have 150, 200 people in your bar, uh, which is, you know, for that, for that particular bar is com- like elbow to elbow full. Uh, and, uh, and so we, uh, Man, I was just we, we telling got to, somebody. We got to, I got to kind of carry the torch a little bit for uh, for Josh after after he stopped booking. I started handling that at the Arrow. You and, did, man. Uh, had some had some good times there for about a year, year and a half. It's a struggle when you there's only one spot to book for, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, and again, again, this town being as small as it is, and and that was kind of my approach anyway. I didn't want to just book heavy stuff. I wanted. I wanted to diversify our crowd and, and find people that were interested in other music because uh, it's, you know, when you, when you have just heavy music all the time in Texarkana, uh, you can't get that crowd every weekend, mm-hmm. you know, for every show. And so you gotta, you gotta have, throw in a country band, throw in some Americana, throw in some, uh, uh, some pop music, throw in some different things, you know, whatever it might have to be just to like, keep a keep a, a fresh crowd coming back every two to three weeks or every month versus trying to get the same crowd in every weekend uh that can't afford to be out every weekend you know i think what you guys did uh has really had a lasting effect because we can pop down there you know on a couple weeks notice throw a big show and fill the fucking house up i mean yeah yeah absolutely man it's it, that, that spirit is still here mhm 100% oh. that spirit is still here Which, and people people and uh but that's not that's not just anybody either man that's you like uh people will show up for you cuz uh for anybody who's listening out there uh if you don't know about Zach Cry he's one of the hardest working motherfuckers in in the business and uh and and you say you look up to me and and you look up to Kanan uh you should know that I look up to you too brother uh right. just take take a little moment in this interview to suck your dick a little bit <laughs> <laughs> let's not do it too much man right. i appreciate and, uh, but, it man. But, no but no man i've always respected your work and uh your your ethic about it you work harder than just about anybody i know with this and uh and i'm not the only one that thinks that man that people show up for you too so yeah man i had the opportunity of jamming with some cool motherfuckers down there too man and just being friends with cool motherfuckers and just (laughs) you know basically what we got down there is just one big family it's a big family man i was about to say it's uh we built a family here that uh and that shit will ne- never go away. Like you, it's kind of one of those things that we might not talk for two years, but then we talk and then, uh, you know, we're still brothers. Yeah, man. That's another thing I wanted to talk to uh, about real quick, man, before I let you go. Uh, cause when I come down there, 
usually we play a show and sometimes I come down there just to play a show and then sometimes I'll have other shit to do and I'll let mm-hmm. Justin talk me into it. He's like, let's <laughs> let's do a show, man. If, if there's anybody that can talk you into it. Yeah, oh, that motherfucker can talk me into just about anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I don't always get to see you, man, because you're always yeah. busy uh, gigging. You you are gigging. Yeah, yeah. So when Kanan broke up... You are kind of, it didn't really break up, it just sort of disintegrated a little bit. Yeah, it fizzled out, yeah. And you continued on as a working musician. Can you tell me about that? Like Yeah, man, I'll give you a little rundown on that. Um so the uh Kane kind of fizzled out. I remember that um it kinda of ended uh that would have been a little over four years ago. Uh at, been been about four years ago in December, uh, this past December, and we had booked a gig with Jason Tedford, the guy that did our record, um, for New Year's Eve. He wanted to have us up. He was throwing a big party at his studio, and he had a cool thing about Tedford's place. Also, like I told you about his studio earlier and uh, the bunk room and all that shit, but he also had a in his backyard. <laughs> he had built this uh, little side building. Uh, called the preserved moose uh from uh, it was his little home bar uh and basically nice. so he has a daughter and his daughter asked him to build her a clubhouse and he was like well in a few years you're not going to want the clubhouse like i'll just build you a bar and then like, <laughs> later 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 on in life you'll like want to hang out here anyway smart anyway, man so yeah yeah and he 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 has this little uh uh, shed out in his backyard that can hold maybe 20 or 30 people with a bar in it and a little tiny stage. And, uh, he, uh, anyway, he had booked, uh, the full band to do it. And then, uh, <clears throat> things kind of fizzled out. And so I had to contact him and say, look, I can't do the full band anymore. And <clears throat> excuse me. I, uh, I went to, uh, I went, I still went and played, uh, Canaan songs, just acoustic. Uh, and that was, uh, the last gig I played for about four months. Um, and then, uh, this lady named Taryn Ashley hit me up and she was a part of like a country duet and, uh, her, she and her partner were on the outs. And so she'd asked me to start filling in some gigs with her. And, uh, and this is, this was, uh, more of a cover band gig, um, at the time. And so, uh, I, 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 I credit Taryn, um, a lot in my life because I went through several months of not playing any music, uh, other than just at home here and there, but I'm not playing live anywhere. And I, I, it got me really down, uh, and her getting me back out, even just being in a, in a cover act was refreshing and, and reminded me that like, it doesn't matter if I'm playing my music or somebody else's music that I just have to be doing it. I have to be out there playing live. Um, and so, uh, she got me active again and, uh, and she'll always be a sister and a very special person to me because she got, she got me out there again and we worked together for about a year. Uh, and she moved away to Colorado and then uh, when she moved away, uh, my good friend Paul Holder, uh, who's a very talented drummer and a veteran, 
Uh, yeah, Paul uh, played drums as... for my dad for years, man. I've known Paul yeah, my entire yeah. life, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know why I didn't think of that when I was just talking about I know he was out there with Ace for a long time. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, I grew up in that little jam room out there behind <laughs> Gary's house, man. We'll, we'll, uh, we will, uh, we'll not share the stories. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, but Paul, uh, Paul had worked with Taryn and I for a little while. And then uh, he had started working with uh, this other lady here in town uh, named Heather Lynn. And he brought me on board to that outfit. And I've been working with Heather ever since. And now Heather and I have been working together for right at three years. And uh, and uh, we are we, we write songs together here and there. And we're actually getting ready to uh, work with a guy named Greg White out of Fort Worth on a, on a record. Uh, we're going to go and, and, uh, but he, he's like a legit producer that's worked with some big names and stuff. We're, we're having to raise some money to work with him and we're going to pay him to not just record, but actually produce, uh, an album for us. And this is like um, Texas country kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's worked with Cody Jenks and, and a lot of guys in that circle. I'm talking uh, about what you guys are writing. Oh, what we're doing, man. So what, uh, what we do, I, I don't know if I'd call it Texas country cause, uh, it's, I don't think it fits that vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it is, um, it is country music and is a little bit, I, I'd, I'd go with a little bit more like Southern rock, you know, okay. rather than call it Texas country. Uh, but we pull from a lot of different things and, uh, and, you know, just my own writing kick lately. I've, you know, I've been writing, uh, more in the country music vibe, um, which I've enjoyed. Uh, it's, uh, but I pull from old, I pull from uh, Willie and Waylon and Merle, you know, and the, the old stuff. Oh, yeah. And, uh, uh, but I'm, tr- I'm trying to find a way to, 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 you know, to not just mimic uh, the old country and, uh, and find a way to put a fresh take on it. Um, I think there's a lot of still retaining people that's retaining that simple, like three chords in the truth approach to country music writing. You know, there's um, a few people that are, that are killing that right now. Like Tyler. Childers. Yeah, man, I can, I can, I can name several, like right now, Tyler Childers is kind of king for me yeah. as far as uh, country music goes. He just, and, and it's because he, I mean, he's, he's obviously a very talented writer and singer. Um, He's got and, a very unique voice, but he—he's also like he also lives it. Like he's—he does. Of course, he does the Nashville thing, but he like he's—he lives out in uh, the middle of nowhere, uh, cabin on a hill in the woods, whatever it might be. You know, like he's—he—he—he's the real. He doesn't just sing about it. He's living that country life. So is that the sort yeah. of vibes that you guys are shooting for a little bit? Well, it's not. That's not just the vibe we're shooting for. I don't. I, we're shooting for our own vibe, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we're, you know, like I said, it's, we, we, we like the, uh, to incorporate rock and roll into what we do. And so, uh, so I would say, uh, Southern rock would be like the, the, just the most generic and easiest way to define what we're doing. Um, and we're still, we're still, you know, we're, we're in a situation where we want to, go into the studio with 20 plus songs and then whittle it down to the best 10 or 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and, and then get it produced. But, uh, I'm, 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 
I'm coming from coming at it with a lot of different influences. I've I've been digging into this kind of real country folk Americana vibe a lot more lately. Um, and so Marcus King, um, like I said, Tyler Childers, Marcus King, uh, Brett Cobb is a guy from uh, Macon, Georgia, that's uh, that's put out some work that I really like. Um, the one of the biggest uh, guy, like right now, this I'll tell you about. This is my new obsession. Um, he's uh, he's an actually he's actually an East Texas guy uh, from the Longview area uh, that's based out of Fort Worth, and he runs in the circles with Cody Jinks and Ward Davis and those guys. Uh, his name is Paul Coffin, and uh, uh, I, I know you were we were we've talked briefly about the cocaine uh, country dancing guy. Cocaine country dancing. We yeah. talked briefly about uh, Psycho Psycho Fest this year in Vegas. Uh-huh. Paul Coffin is actually on that bill. I don't know if you know know that. Uh, no, but he, yeah, no, he's on he's on the bill for Psycho this year. That's crazy. And uh, and uh, and he like I don't know how much you listen to him, but he, uh, I think you would really fucking dig his shit because he's he makes me think of like a new age Roy Orbison. Huh. Uh, he's got that deep velvety his nickname is big velvet he's got the deep baritone country voice you know uh and but but also like a prolific prolific songwriter um i have to check him out there. man i've only heard yeah, man, that a, cocaine song that's just funny yeah yeah the cocaine country dancing is kind of his breakout yeah. but uh if you actually dig into his other work uh man he's i mean he's got some great great songs and uh, and and you'll hear all kind. I mean, '80s synth uh, meets country, meets uh, that folk Americana. Um, anyway, so th- these are the kind of vibes that I'm kind of drawn from right now as I write and as I try to put together stuff with this band. And uh, I'm I'm I should also say working with Heather and Paul and Brady has been a uh, like a real blessing for me personally. Um, it, uh, these guys are legit pros. Heather works her ass off to keep us busy. Even through the pandemic, we were very lucky to continue to be able to find. She was like, I don't give a shit about COVID. We're going to go find pl- private parties to play if we can't play the clubs. And, uh, and I was, I was a, one of the lucky musicians that got to keep working through most of this past year. And, uh, and of That's course, which I wanted to needed. That's what I wanted to compare and contrast for a little bit, man. Well, yeah. Just a little bit longer, if you don't mind, Jace. Thanks, yeah, man. I'm, thanks I'm for here being with on here, man. Yeah, of course. I'm uh, with you. Yeah, so... Shit. I was talking into the wrong side of the mic. Anyways, I was saying thanks <laughs> Thanks for being on here. I just, I just had a couple of things I wanted to compare and contrast here about... Um, playing in a band, trying to build something from the ground up, uh, as opposed to being a working musician, which kind of entails uh, playing covers and shit like that, and playing to the crowd, and not yeah. really playing your own songs. Um, yeah. How is that different, and what's the experience like? You know, how is how is it a different experience? Well, it's I mean, it's very different. Um, so working in a cover band um means i get paid <laughs> right absolutely uh, let's talk about uh, it and and uh how and, important and is that i don't that's super well, important right i i i i couldn't um i couldn't 
do it on this level if I wasn't getting paid. I couldn't take off, you know, because I'm you know, on the side. I'm a bartender and a trivia host, and I do the, you know, I do. A, I'm a hustler. I do a lot of different things to to make my ends meet. And uh, and I, uh, being a bartender, especially like I'm gone on the weekends traveling with this band. I couldn't, I couldn't afford, you know, afford to do what I do. Um, as a musician without getting paid at least something decent to do it. And so it's, uh, that's, it, that's been its own challenge. Um, just constantly. So our big thing is that, you know, we've been working together for a few years and we can't just keep playing the same set over and over again. So we're constantly learning, learning new songs. And, um, and, uh, and then of course you got to fill requests. I actually had to fucking play Freebird for a gig we had a gig uh, a few weeks back um at a uh actually at barksdale air force base and I saw they were your honoring pictures over there that looked pretty yeah cool. yeah it was actually uh the gig itself was weird the being there was really cool um but the the they were honoring this uh colonel at this event it was an award ceremony and they had this specific colonel that they were honoring uh he was like the star of the show for the day and uh, and his only request was Freebird, and I was like, man, I like <laughs> I've <laughs> avoided learning that song in my life. Ah, you didn't and, even know uh, it. <laughs> I uh, no, 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 I never even played. No, like I never wanted to learn it or yeah. anything. And so uh, I, I like I, I learned all the basics of it, and then shit the bed on the solo, of course, because uh-huh. uh, that's a lot. <laughs> but uh, you know, you have to do stuff like that to. Uh, when did you shit the bed? Working. Like one minute in, five minutes in, seven oh, was, minutes. No, it was, it was about eight like 30, minutes. Probably in. like probably like thirty. No, see, here's the thing: we didn't do the the whole thing. I was, I told the guys, I was like, we're gonna do the song. Uh, we're gonna do four bars of this part of the solo, four bars of that part of the solo. And Sixteen then, bars. And then total, we're out of here. We're done. We're done. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not jamming this song for fifteen minutes, man. I'm not doing it. Uh, but uh, but you know, it's the, it's that kind of work that you have to do. And the truth is, um, that makes you like, if you're willing to sit down and commit to it, it can make you a better musician. It's about your perspective, about your approach to it. You know, I, I sat down and, uh, you know, it was the same thing with like learning the, uh, the outro to hotel California. Like I learned some licks, um, and, and then now I implement those licks and other things that I do. Uh, I've sat down with a YouTube video and I learned how to play a solo note for note. And now I've, I've got something new to add to my arsenal, you know. And I and think so that opens like that. the door for you for real opportunity yeah, yeah. too. Like, yeah. uh, when you're a band and you're writing your own songs, it's like no one gives a shit until it's like no one likes you until everyone likes you. you know yeah, I mean? yeah, absolutely. Like and, you've got to you got to put your name out there before you're and, so, uh, and have it out there big before you're noticed as a as an individual or as a band. And it's like and, whenever you start out with this dream of like this huge grandiose dream we all have of like I'm gonna be a rock star and I'm gonna write that yeah. I'm gonna write that fucking song that's gonna catapult me into fucking stardom or whatever the fuck I always think. Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, like uh, you know what I mean. That doesn't yeah, yeah. fit into the vernacular of. You got to go out every night and you got to play what the people want to hear and you got to play these songs, which yeah. it seems conflicting, but it's honestly not because they say the I, Beatles, yeah. they play 
the Beatles in Liverpool were a whole different band from the Beatles in whatever the fuck the saying is. Yeah, yeah, man. You know like, I mean? and and the thing is, is, is I don't know. I think it's just something that happens as you get older and more mature, and you mm. kind of let go of like the the dream of of rock stardom, and you realize that that's like no matter what kind of music you're playing like you're gonna be yeah, out no playing ma- and that's good well enough for yeah you. and well no matter how you how good you are uh like you it, your chances of breaking through in that regard are are slim to none no matter no matter how good you are it's a right place right time kind of thing and and so you get older and then you so you you adjust the dream and uh that's where i've gotten and i'm actually like it's made me a lot happier doing what i do um is like my dream is to just be a professional musician. And if, if, if I can just simplify it at that, then I've got there. Like I get paid decently to go and play music with my friends. And, uh, and, uh, and that, that doesn't mean I'm settling at that. That doesn't mean I'm stopping what I'm doing. Uh, uh, I'm not trying to achieve more. Uh, and, uh, I'm actually on a big riding kick right now. Uh, my you know my latest goal is to write a song that i can sell to somebody that's already famous right <laughs> you know? yeah absolutely uh, hey, and but, so but what, the, what i was talking about was like uh it just you know if you were with your band you wouldn't be able to play out night after night for hours on end like you do for two or three four hour sets you know what i mean right with, right with, with your own solo material or you know your um original material and right so, right like, I don't yeah, know. yeah it's just it's, like being out it, it just like you said it, it i just was wondering um how different it is for you because for me it's like hurry up and wait it's like i gotta sit and wait for the call you, you don't want to wear out your local scene but now you can't tour all the time because you got work to do and shit and so yeah be it, it does make sense that being out and playing and doing like covers and and but you guys are writing yeah. uh new material so yeah yeah we're, we're not just a cover band uh right. we we have uh like i said we've been working together about three years and mm-hmm. uh heather heather already went well when i joined up she already had a, a three four five songs at least uh, uh, original songs that um, I had to learn. And then since then, she and I have written several together. Um, and I've written se- uh, several that we do. Uh, and they fit more, like I said, they fit more of that uh, Southern rock, uh, still bluesy, but in country rock and roll kind of vibe. And that fits the age old uh fucking yeah. adage but, of, but of like uh yeah. play you gotta play what the people want to hear and then you slip in a couple of your originals that's what I, right, i've right. always been yeah told. yeah that's exactly what we do and yeah. and we're we're learning how to do that better and better uh, like i've started i started uh building our because so i'm the band leader heather's the lead singer and she'll sing three or four songs and then i'll sing lead on a song just to kind of give her a break uh, but as a band leader, my job is kind of calling out the songs and keeping the show go. I build the set lists and I, I build our rehearsals and stuff like that. Um, and so, and that's, that's also been a very good learning experience for me, like learning how to lead and listen to my band, uh, better on a more professional level. But, uh, but yeah, we have to, we have to adhere to what people want to hear. You know, we get like, uh, <laughs> We we got Sweet Child of Mine requested so much that we finally added it to the set list. 
And uh, well, you know, yeah, like, man, with a with you know, a woman you, you singing try to, that song, you try to play what cover. people want to hear. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I heard like uh, you you don't go around look with a key looking for a lock. You find yeah. the lock and then you build the key for it. You know. Yeah, I mean? yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we're you know, and it's it's about listening to what people want to hear, and then we eventually add it in. But we and we also try to keep it. Um, you know, we kind of we. We try to keep in touch with what other other cover bands are doing around town or around the area, and and try to build. Uh, you know, we we cover a lot of stuff that other people don't, um, that are still hit songs, uh, crowd pleasers, but other bands aren't doing them. You know, like some of the Fleetwood Mac stuff that we do, uh, some of the Eagles stuff that we do. You know, stuff like that mm-hmm. that nobody else is really doing around the area. So um, we can kind of stand apart that way. You know, they're not just the same old tried and true uh, covers that you know everybody is doing. But all uh, right, well, Jace, man, I appreciate you coming on here and fucking. Uh, I know I was running a little bit late to the show, but uh, no, nah, brother. Thanks for hanging out. I always out got time for you. Dude. I always got time for you, man. I uh, I appreciate you having me on, and I hope uh, I hope. Uh, Gave you some good material to work with. Oh, absolutely. You know, I don't really fucking edit anything. I just let it all hang out over here. <laughs> um, fucking, it might be quiet over there right now, but it's not going to be quiet on May 1st when I come through there. No man. shit. No shit, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you in town and uh, catching up. Yep. See, this is what I'm talking about. We, you can't come to my show because you got your own show, which is good. Yeah, no. Which is yeah, good. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Man, I got work. I got, yeah. I got a job to do. I but, hear uh, you, man. but, but we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be able to link up in the in between. Well, Jace, you want to let people know uh, how they can reach out to you on social media and check out everything you guys got going on? Yeah. So uh, my uh, my main gig is with Heather Lynn and the Deacons. Um, that is L I N N, uh, if you're looking for it. Uh, and we are looking to, uh, start working on our first album together, uh, later this year. Uh, otherwise, um, yeah, on, on social media, I'm just, I'm just Jace, J A S E Bryant. And, uh, and I'm, I'm around. Oh yeah, Jace. I'm going to, uh, I'm having Josh on here soon, and we are going to continue to tell this story. And then I was thinking, yeah, man. I was thinking maybe we get a three-way going on soon. Oh, dude, I'm always about that menage a trois. <laughs> All right, brother. <laughs> well, hey, let's I'm, definitely uh, link up when I get to town, man, in May. Yeah, absolutely. Where uh, there's uh, uh, nothing more important to me than making sure I get to see your your beautiful face. Oh, stop it, Jace. When, uh, when 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 you're in town. <laughs> stop it. Hey man, I love you, brother. I'll talk to you I soon. I love you too. Love you so much, brother. Right. Later on. Later. That was the wonderful Jace Bryant from the band Kanan. That's C A N A A N. Check him out on Bandcamp. This is their song Black River. <laughs>